Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, number 13, Mary. And who can guess the tagline tonight? Wow, that wasn't staged at all. That's right, we'll talk about lying later. But hey, speaking of uh, lying, uh, we don't want to lie. We're just putting out a disclaimer as a way of recapping our study. We're not saying that everybody who's a charismatic or involved in the charismatic movement is involved in the occult. Unfortunately, as we're going to see even tonight, Lord willing, a lot of it is going in that uh, direction, so we need to deal with it. The movement itself is nothing moo, new that, uh, or moo, I like that, moo or new, moo, new moo. But anyway, uh, as we saw, it's old-fashioned montanism and montanism that the early church had to deal with. So this isn't some latest movement of the Spirit of God. The gibberish they're doing, which they say is the gift of tongues, literally languages, is not the biblical gift at all. Then we dealt with an extensive study on the spiritual gifts, since that's a big issue that they want to press. Then we dealt with an extended study on their aberrant behavior, and we've been finishing up on their aberrant beliefs and we dealt with many of the aberrant beliefs that unfortunately also come along with the charismatic movement by and large a lot of them believe in the false belief of female pastors then we also dealt with the issue of the uh, prosperity gospel which is not the gospel it's a false gospel and the only people getting prospered are these hucksters who are pushing this then we dealt with the lie of deliverance ministries that we need some sort of spiritual guru to help us with spiritual warfare that ain't true we're also going to get into that a little bit tonight when it comes to prayer. Believe it or not, they also say only they can help us and pray through our troubles, etc. Then the last two times we dealt with, by and large, what typically comes along with the charismatic camp is they believe that you can actually lose your salvation. But the Bible, of course, says no, and we dealt with that repeatedly because it's not our salvation. Who is it? It rests on whose shoulders? Who did the work for us? Why is it called a gift? Because it's a gift from God, right? Why is it called eternal life? Because it lasts forever, etc., etc. Well, and the reason why my theory was they forget about six things. They forget about the issue of the counterfeits. They take a look at these people who say, I'm a Christian, but then they walk away, become an atheist or something of that nature. And they say, well, see, they lost their salvation. No, First John 2, 19 says they uh, went out from us because they never belonged to us. If they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. They were fake the whole time. That's what the scripture says. Then we saw that they don't deal with the context uh, correctly. They don't under- acknowledge the corruption of man, the atonement of Christ, common sense passages, and clear passages that say you cannot lose your salvation. It is a gift from God. If you had to earn it uh, or try not to dis-earn it, i.e. after you get saved, it still works. But the Bible says it is a gift from God, right? If your works had something in the play, you just said Jesus didn't do enough. And I'll stand over here while the lightning bolt gets you, with all due respect. Okay, but we're going to take a look at the sixth and final one, at least on this section on aberrant beliefs. And they have something that I want to finish on that I simply call, they believe that we need to come to them for not just prayer, but spiritual prayer. Super duper spiritual prayer. These so-called secret techniques that only they know and apparently have been given this message and knowledge from God. Outside the Bible, of course. First mistake. Okay, and that we need to come to them in order to learn these techniques. And typically, guess what you got to do? Bing, bing, bing. That's right. It's another money-making scheme. Okay, but before we get into where they get it wrong, um, believe it or not, you think, how can you get prayer wrong? Well, they do. Uh, Let's take a look at what the Bible says about prayer, and then we'll take a look at how they get it wrong on prayer. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to take a look at uh, verse 12 through 16. Just a very simple passage. Many passages, of course, Old and New Testament deal with prayer. Right? It's not really a complicated thing. As that's hopefully what we'll bring out in just two passages. Right? 
And uh, it's not just something that uh, you and I are just got our hands strapped behind us and we need somebody super duper spiritual in order to do it for us or do it better for us or intercede for us. And that's not what we're dealing with. So let's take a look. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. When you get there, say moo. All right, let's start. Uh, One of those days, uh, uh, Jesus went uh, out to a mountainside to what? To pray. And he, whoa, how long did he pray? Man, he spent the night praying to God. Now, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and and chose 12 of them. And he also designated the apostle Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became what? Became a traitor. As we saw before in John chapter 6, did Jesus know? Yeah, remember he said, I knew from the beginning. You ain't fooling me. Hello, he's God. Okay, but here we see it's just a simple context that Jesus was not just praying, but how long did he pray? Again, he says there he prayed all night. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we're sitting there like, man, praying all night. I could never do something like that. That must be for those super duper spiritual people. You know, like the the charismatic church wants to say that we. Well, no, it, it sounds like mission impossible. If you don't understand just the basic truth of what prayer is, it's not really that complicated. Now, prayer comes from two Greek words, okay? One is eukamai, let's say that, eukamai. The other one's desis, desis, okay? And it simply means this. You put them together, it means to pray or ask for, for, to call to one's aid. Sometimes we want to use the word supplication, but typically we don't understand what that means. But it's just to pray, to, to communicate, to ask for, to call to one's aid. And basically, in a nutshell, a prayer, just biblical prayer, it's just simply communication, okay, to God. Can I break it down even more? It's just talking to God. That's it. No, no big shakes. You don't have to speak in King James Elizabeth language, as we've talked so many times before. Oh, Lord, God. You don't have to do any of that stuff, right? You don't have to squint one eye. You know, it, it doesn't have to be in just a certain posture. You can, you can talk to God. It's just communication. It's not really that common. It's a normal conversation, except, praise God, as cool as it is, you're talking to God, the creator of the universe. Okay? And for some reason, we think that prayer is some mysterious religious thing. Listen, that some super-duper spiritual religious people, only they who've been to many conferences, read oodles of books on prayer, and only they can tell us how to do it correctly. That's not true. I don't know about you, man. Did you realize that your salvation started with a prayer? Right? And it was what? It was just a spontaneous, heartfelt thing. You cried out to God. Well, if you just keep that mindset all the day through and the rest of your walk with Jesus Christ, that's all it is. But see, even us as Protestants, sometimes we think that, oh, no, I can never pray like that. I certainly couldn't pray all night long. I I, I couldn't pray like that person. There's there's certain people that have that gift. When you have that gift, it's just talking to God. And we all can do that. For instance, Married folks, tonight, how many of you guys married somebody that can really, really talk? Raise your hand. Now, men, those of you who just raised your hand, it's gonna be a, you're going to be talking on the way home, all right? Or maybe you'll get the reverse thing. Maybe you get the silent treatment. And you'll be talking about it in a couple of days. But okay, but no, that's, that's all it is, right? You, you don't have to. Anybody can talk, right? And that's all it is. But, but we think it's these super-duper spiritual people and, dare I say, the charismatic community uh, and especially with young Christians, they jump on thinking, oh, you, no, you don't know how to do it right. You need to listen to us and our techniques because we've got it all figured out. It's just talking to God. 
Okay? Heartfelt response. Normal response. Having a good day? Tell them. Having a challenging day? Tell them. You love them? Tell them. Right? Just, that's it. Just like in a normal conversation. Okay? In fact, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, these words, pray continually. And you're going like, well, I, I couldn't do that. That must just be again for those super-duper spiritual people. Only they have the techniques. You know, I wish I could learn it. No. Again, it's just normal conversation. And you go, well, I can't pray continually because I got I to gotta work. I got I to gotta sleep once in a while. How do, how do you pray continually? Well, it's just constant communication. If you're traveling on the road with somebody, right, you don't necessarily talk every second of the time unless you're married to one of those people that you're going to have a discussion with later. Okay. <laughs> right? Oh, you're already in trouble. But anyway, so, no, it's just what? As you're traveling, it's just all of a sudden you just spontaneously begin to talk. Talk about this, you talk about that, whatever. It's just, you're continually communicating. You're not thinking about it. It's nothing forced, none of that stuff. You're just talking, right? Hey, folks, that's praying continually. It's the idea of just walking around, knowing that God's with you wherever you go, because he is, because he's omnipresent. Plus, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, who is God. We're his temple. He's with us wherever we go. So at any time, anyway, I can pray continually. It's awesome, right? That's the thing of biblical prayer. Now, that's what it is. It's simple. Did you need a book to figure that out? Did you need to go to conference? With all due respect, did you need to go to the charismatic community and learn these secret techniques that only cost you several million dollars or whatever? No. It's simple. Keep it that way, and you'll be blessed in your wealth of God. Now, Jesus not only gives us examples of how to pray, he also tells us how, I need some room on this board, not to pray, right? Now, flip over there in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, right? Matthew chapter 6. All right, take a left from Luke there, obviously. And uh, verses 5 through 8, we'll, t- we'll take a look there. Matthew chapter 6. Great passage here, again from Jesus, I'm praying. And uh, he tells us how not to do it. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. Verse 5 says this, and Jesus began, and when, and when you pray. Now, what's he, what's he supposed right there? Not if you pray, When? Right? Again, it's just something you suppose. Oh, hopefully I can get that spiritual one day. No, it's just normal conversation. You're going you're gonna to communicate. And when you do, here's what you don't do. Don't be like the what? What's the first thing he says? Hypocrites, hypocrites, right? Uh, the play masks, the ones that they have a mask on, they give the impression they're something, but they're really somebody else. Okay? They're faking it. They're fakos, hypocrites. Why? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. What are they doing? It's all for what? Show. When we pray, it's not to impress God as if you could impress God. Right? Hello, he's God. Right? Number one. Number two, with all due respect, again, the charismatic community, you look at many of the ways that they get whooped up in this so-called spiritual prayer. And what's it all about? It's a show. It's a show before men. You're trying to get noticed. Look at how spiritual you are because you're doing something I would never do in public. And somehow that's spiritual. And, and I'm, I don't know your heart, but I'm thinking sometimes even in singing, woo-hoo, it's like, are you really singing to Jesus? Are you trying to draw attention to yourself? And Jesus said, if you do that, what? I tell you the truth, you what? You will receive your reward in full. All right. So if you wanted the applause of men, that's what you got. Didn't benefit you one thing spiritually. But he also says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in what? Secret will reward you. In other words, it's something what? It's something personal. It's something intimate. It's something private. It's something between you and God. This is not a time to put on the show. 
Whether it be the the flowery words or the... It's just a personal intimate thing, right? He says, don't do that. Then he goes on and says this. Then he says, and when you pray, do not now keep on babbling like the pagans. Now, as we've seen before, the Greek words barbar, it's where we get the word barbarians. And the reason why they use that term barbarians, barbar, to describe the barbarians is because they spoke a nonsensical language. And so it became basically a euphemism, just barbar, 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 You know, after you've been in the car for about an hour and that person is still talking away and you're zoning out. Yeah, you're in trouble when you get home. Just anyway, my wife's out of town. I know. Shh. <laughs> I was happy for a moment. <laughs> anyway, but that's what it means. Blah, 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 blah. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't be like those people who just go blah, 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 blah. on and on and on and on and on and over and over and over and over again. Repetitive, mindless nonsense. You don't even know what you're talking about. That's Jesus said, don't do that. Why? He said, first of all, you're acting like a pagan. That's what pagans do. In fact, they go, oh, no, 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 because, because we all know that prayer, the longer it is, the more spiritual it has to be. No. How, how long was uh, Peter, uh, Peter's communication to Jesus when he was thinking, Lord, tell me. Right? I don't know. That wasn't very spiritual. He should have been doing that for about an hour. Are you kidding me? He would have been at the bottom of the, of the lake. Right? It's heartfelt is what God always wants, whether it's five minutes, five hours, Whatever. But don't go on and on and on thinking that it's somewhere how spiritual. He says, for they think they will be heard because they're what? They're many words. Do not what? Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then he goes on, of course, into what's called the Lord's Prayer. Okay. And submitting to God's will. Okay. But this is what charismatics do. They violate even the basic thing of prayer. It's supposed to be intimate. It's supposed to be private. It's supposed to be spontaneous, just like any loving relationship between you and God. And they turn into some super-duper spiritual show. That's right. And the more that you can really whoop it up, apparently the more spiritual it is. And you're putting on this show before men, and you're going on and on and on and on. And somehow, we're missing out because that's so spiritual. Again, that's just two passages. The Bible says, no, that's not biblical prayer, number one. Number two, God ain't going to bless that. All you got was the applause before men. But you do people into thinking that somehow that is spiritual and it's not. Now, what we're going to see, and I'm going to break down four different ways that they try to tell us they've got these new prayer techniques out there, super duper spiritual, that you and I have got to be a part of. And what they do is what they've done, the same thing in this aberrant behavior. They slap Christianese on it and somehow it's supposed to be Christian. Now, and what we're going to see is their so-called prayer techniques is not just not biblical. They're flat-out Hinduism, New Age, and occult techniques. But somehow, they're spiritual because they slap Christianese on. Remember when we saw the, the, the aberrant behavior was slain in the spirit? It wasn't just slain. It was slain in the spirit. It wasn't just drunk. It was drunk in the spirit. As if he would attach just the phrase, in the spirit, which is in the Bible. But somehow that makes that behavior biblical. No. They do the same thing with prayer. Now, the first thing that they want us to believe, that this is a super-duper spiritual technique of prayer that you and I need to learn. It's not just prayer. It's called sozo prayer. Oh, sozo. Now, for those of you hooked on Greek, you know that sozo, that's a great biblical word. It's the Greek word that means save or deliver. So it's got to be a great thing, right? <laughs> no. 
Just because you slap a Greek word on it doesn't make it biblical. I'm telling you, it's the same thing they do with their aberrant behavior. But let's take a look at this sozo prayer. It's defined as a unique, quote, inner healing and deliverance ministry. Mm-hmm. Right? So once again, even in prayer, we need to go to the guru in order to have a breakthrough with God and improve our intimacy with him. No, that's not true. We have direct access individually to God. Remember Hebrews? Right? Praise God. I don't need some intercessor. I can go to God myself. And how do I develop intimacy? Myself, have an intimate prayer life with him. I don't need you, and I certainly don't need to pay you for it. But that's the premise of this thing called sozo prayer. You may not have heard of it, but let me continue. And the aim is you got to go through these spiritual gurus and so they can pray for you and, quote, get to the root of the things hindering your personal connection, not just with God. They really spiritualize this. But your connection with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Whoa. Whatever. And it has its roots, obviously, the charismatic man. And guess where it's coming out of? You wonder why we don't sing their music? It's once again coming out of Bethel. They're making this stuff as, as they go, folks. Okay? But it's coming out of Bethel, out of Reading. Okay? And a sozo session supposedly provides wholeness and freedom for the sozoe. You got to make it up as you go. And that, of course, is the one who is seeking deliverance that only these super duper sozo prayer people can provide for us. Right? And it requires the presence of a mediator or guide who is trained to walk sozo ease through a time of prayer and reflection in order to facilitate intimacy with God. Now, did you see what they just did? In order for you to have an intimate walk with God, who do you have to go through? Them. Is that what the Bible says? Not even close. But their even practice of this is not even biblical either. But here's what, here, listen to them explain from Bethel. This is one of their fireside chats. Right? And explain what this sozo prayer is and how they say it's a sozo prayer, but then the end saying, but it's not really prayer. Yeah, I'm not making this up. Watch this. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Revival Fireside Chats. I'm Dan Fairley, your host for today, and I am with Donna De Silva and Teresa Leipscher, who lead our uh, sozo team and our sozo ministry. Glad to be here with you. Thank you. Gonna have a good time. Let's just start with the basics. What is a sozo? What is sozo? (laughs) Sozo is an individual time of prayer and deliverance um, that we're going to look at uh, the wounds in your life, maybe some of the lies that you've believed that have hindered you from walking fully in your destiny. And I think one of the things they want was, what does that look like? Do you want to take that? The sozo ministry is a place where we go in, find the wounds and lies, Find the roots of issues that stop people from being able to deal with life, being able to deal with issues that are coming into their life. Plus, we also go in and help you find, develop, and and heal the reasons why you don't have a good relationship with each members of the Godhead. So, so is not counseling. It is not a prayer ministry. Then what is it? I mean, at the beginning, it's a time of prayer and it's a but it's not a prayer. You're just making this up as you go. Now, let me, let me further go on. The, 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 the facilitator, what these people do, these are two ladies heading it up, apparently, from Bethel. They guide the sozo e through an, listen, you can't just say a procedure. Oh, that doesn't sound spiritual, does it? It's called the ascent of the Father's ladder. 
Ooh, that makes it better. All right? In which the sozo e is encouraged to, quote, visualize God and speak to the image of God created, direct quote, in the mind's eye. Well, what kind of verbiage is that from? Hinduism New Age. Right? Then, this is followed by identifying various doors that have allowed sin to enter one's life, closing them and sealing them by the blood of Jesus. Obstacles to the process are identified as walls that must be torn down. And when a door is closed or a wall is demolished, here it is. Here's your big technique. The sozo e is told to give a single clap with the hands and supposedly to disengage the lie that has been taken root in his or her mind. Really? So that's all I got to do if I want to get rid of all my problems. Dude, I'll be clapping up a storm, baby. (laughs) This is crazy. You're making this up. Oh, by the way, you got to go to a special spiritual guru with their techniques to find out what you can't see in you. And then they're going to lead you on techniques to be free from all those things that are hindering you. You know exactly what that sounds like? We spent 12 weeks on it, folks. It's called Scientology. How is that any different than that? Remember what was the premise that was? Where the practitioner, remember they had you hold those, the pop can things, the little e-meter thing, which was ridiculous with all due respect, okay? And then somehow they would find all those negative engrams that were hidden inside of you that were actually left over being stuck on by aliens. I'm not making that up. You were there, right? Right? And only they could have the techniques to get those aliens and those negative things off of you to fulfill your potential. How is that any different? Oh, by the way, as we saw, Scientology is clearly out of the occult. This is all this is. And, but, but hey, you use a Greek word in front of it, and it makes it biblical. Are you kidding me? This is crazy, right? Oh, they even say, sozo practitioners even claim to track down spiritual wounds acquired in the womb. You don't realize how spiritual this is, Ruth. How dare you scoff? <laughs> Quote, of course, none of this is found in the Bible. You're making this up. This is stories made up, man. Okay, intimacy with God is defined is something we obviously should seek, but attain, attaining that via a facilitated mental journey through visualizations and new spiritual experience is fraught with danger. The experience-based extra-biblical practices of sozo are a quote human intervention that require human instruction, and not to mention quote the payment of a suggested donation. With its visualization techniques, guided meditation, okay, Sozo, in many ways, is closer to, quote, New Age mysticism than Christianity. And again, this is coming straight out of Bethel, okay, a big sewer pipe for a lot of this behavior. Oh, and by the way, it's not so shocking that Bethel is actually selling books that are basically, they slap Christianese all around it, but it's just flat out New Age. Here's just one of them. I checked this week. It's still on their website. Watch this. Of course, people say that Bill Johnson is such a great teacher, such a great writer, but it's actually what's going on in the background that concerns us, the spreading of New Age practices, the spreading of a New Age type anointing, a foreign spirit. Those are the things that really worry us about Bethel. In 2012, the Bethel crowd put out this book, The Physics of Heaven, and the subtitle says it all. Exploring God's mysteries of sound, light, energy, vibrations, and quantum physics. Many Christian leaders, when they've read this book, say it is one of the most New Age things they've ever seen. The contents are unbelievable. Just the chapter headings alone are proof enough. Vibrating in harmony with God. The God vibration. 
dolphin therapy, quantum mysticism, human body frequencies. What on earth is a major ministry like Bethel doing promoting such a weird and mystical work? Of course, this deeply new age book is still sold on the Bethel website to this day. After all, that's who it's come from. And that tells you where their inspiration is coming from. But again, it's just, I, I got the book actually in my office. You ever want to check it out? It, I, hey, you know my testimony. I came out of New Age. We spent 12 weeks on New Age here. Well, I'm telling you, it's just New Age. They just slap Christianese on it. Coming from a church. And this is the seduction with Bethel. Remember we saw in church history? What was one of the techniques that church history, early church history, that the false teachers they had to deal with? How did the false teachers get their false teaching into minds of Christians? They put them to tunes, catchy tunes, little ditties that would just get stuck in your head. Like, I am stuck on Pentecost, and I'm stuck on, and it's still in my head, right? You can't get it out. But that's what they would do to false teaching, especially denying the deity of Christ. But they would put it to music. Bethel was seducing people with their music to get them to come to there, and not even all their music, the lyrics are good, by the way. Uh, but they're seducing people, and they get indoctrinated into this baloney. Music is basically... The carrot to get you to come and join the sewer pipe, right? But the Bible tells us that a Christian's peace is found in biblical prayer and thanksgiving, not through being sozoed, okay? And God will complete the work he began in us, the Bible says. I don't need some guru, some mediator. A Christian has no need of extra man-made programs when he's already been blessed with, quote, every spiritual gift in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1, 3. A Christian has the written word of God and needs not seek further messages from God or new experiences. One of our goals is to, quote, Paul says, Ephesians 4, and this was a warning to him to the church. He said to no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And that's what this is doing. It's just another one of those wind of teachings that whooped up out of the air and it's leading people astray and it will not lead you to maturity. It's a huge, horrible, false teaching. Now, another one that they have out there, not just sozo prayer, they call it <gasps> soaking prayer. And who doesn't, after a long day's work, doesn't like to soak in that hot tub or that bathtub and just... <sighs> so it's got to be right. Wrong. It's called soaking prayer. Sometimes it's called listening prayer. Another phrase, we dealt with this already in our New Age study, and I'm sorry I have to repeat myself, even though that was a year ago, but I know you've already got it memorized. Yeah, repetition increases remembrance. Uh, soaking prayer, listening prayer, contemplative prayer, same kind of thing that they want us to believe. Now watch this. In the 1990s, this one really began to increase because it came straight out of mysticism which had been around for quite some time, obviously, in the church, but the charismatic movement picked up on it. Soaking prayer is one of these mystical, quote, activities, and here's what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, don't just go to Jesus spontaneously, as we saw in the Bible, right, and have an intimate time with him, naturally loving like a normal communication. Don't do that. <laughs> here's what you need to do if you want to be spiritual, right? You need to rest in God's presence. And this is accomplished, Pastor Tom, by this spiritual technique. That only they know, apparently. It's by playing some gentle worship songs, either sitting or lying down, and praying short, simple prayers, but for an extended period of time, over and over and over, you know, until it becomes mindless or something like that. And then, after that, you otherwise you keep your mind free from other thoughts. 
And at the point when you sense God's presence through some type of manifestation, like possibly tingling skin, a sensation of heat or cold, or even a gentle wind seemingly blowing through your body, you just soak that in. Really? You do something like this we saw before? This is straight out of New Age, Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, been there, done that, repeating of the mantra over and over again, the Hare Krishnas, why do they do that, right? Uh, it's to get yourself into an altered state of consciousness. The breathing in the left nostril, breathing out of the right nostril, the breathing in, the breathing out, the, the, the posture, all these techniques, that is classic Hinduism New Age designed to get you into a meditative trans-like state and you'll make a spiritual connection all right. But it's not from God. But somehow it's okay because we call it soaking prayer. Ooh, really? Prayer, uh, this kind of prayer, obviously has, shocker, once again, no support in Scripture. There's nowhere the Bible says that. Prayer in its simplest form in the Bible is, frankly, calling upon the name of the Lord. And in each instance where it's found in the Scripture, it is described as communication with God. The Bible does not tell us to empty your mind. The Bible says to use your mind, to speak intelligently, not to achieve this so-called mindless, trance-like, meditative state. Soaking prayer starts out that way, i.e., you start out maybe communicating with God, but the goal is to get you into a trance-like, meditative state. Quote, this prayer, type of prayer, is not just not biblical, but it is straight out of New Age practices and something, quote, that a Hindu would participate in. This is what they do over there. But somehow they say it's Christian. Now, as we saw before, once you get into this kind of a meditative trance-like state, you can call it Christian all you want. You can very well make a connection with a spirit. It doesn't mean it's the spirit of God. And I think that a lot of these practices as in a lot of the aberrant behavior that we saw before, you keep going into these things, and guess what? You're going to achieve your goal. You're going to make connection. But it ain't the Spirit of God. And I think it explains a lot of some of the whacked out behavior that we see in the charismatic movement. Watch this. This is the stuff that John Crowder and his friends have been spreading all over the earth. Welcome to Slosh Fest, which they hold every year attracting hundreds and hundreds of people. And of course, if anybody questions what they're doing, they're immediately accused of being a religious Pharisee. So apparently we're not even allowed to use our discernment, even though the Bible commands us to do so. And here's Ben Dunn ministering this drunkenness anointing to the young people at Bill Johnson's famous Bethel Church in Redding, California. In fact, a lot of this movement now is targeting young people. Now, Bill Johnson is a very famous charismatic leader, author of the book, When Heaven Invades Earth. But what people don't realize is that Bill's church in Reading is one of the major centers for this drunkenness anointing in North America. They specialize in what they call the fire tunnel, where they impart this anointing to all the young people. Can you imagine walking into a room that sounds like this? We worship you. We worship you. Another major center where they're imparting this drunkenness anointing to the young people is IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. We've already drunk in the Holy Spirit. Oh. 
Here's the IHOP founder, Mike Bickle, welcoming Bill Johnson and the main Toronto Blessing leaders to partner with IHOP. The three rivers, Kansas City, Reading and Toronto, must come together. Wow. In fact, the Bible warns us again and again in the last days, be sober, be vigilant, don't be drunk. So why is the charismatic movement giving itself over to manifestations that seem the opposite of sobriety and the opposite of holiness? In fact, they look more like outright paganism. This is Rick Joyner's Morningstar Church. And of course, this is the other major center of this anointing in North America. Can anybody please tell me the difference between this and outright paganism? As we can see, a lot of this stuff has a real new age feel to it. In fact, when you go to John Crowder's website, he openly advertises his mystical schools, where people can learn to operate in trances, raptures, ecstatic prayer, mysticism, spirit travel, and every other new age sounding thing you can imagine. And yet Christian leaders all over the world are promoting these ministries. I hope you can see that all these different ministries and streams are really one big movement, united by this strange anointing that they started spreading everywhere in the 1990s, and still they spread it today. And so we're left with an enormous worldwide movement in the church that is absolutely loaded with spiritual forces and practices and experiences that seem to come straight out of Eastern mysticism. People are being deceived into believing in guided visualization, astral travel, centering prayer, stigmata, and all kinds of New Age practices. Of course, they call them different names, like contemplative prayer and spirit travel, to hide the fact of how totally new age they are. So again, how do they get people to swallow it? They say it's spiritual. They look down on, by the way, you and I. Remember what he says? You can't even question this, or you're a religious Pharisee. Excuse me, I'm supposed to test all things according to Scripture. Uh, That's what the Bible says, right? And I think I'll stick with the Bible. Right? But, but again, he says, what are they doing? They just changed the name. And somehow it's, it's spiritual. But we, we're looked down upon because we don't go along with this. But this is the bill of goods that they're selling people. Right? I'll give you this. You got the first letter right, this so-called soaking prayer. Uh, it's really satanic prayer. Let's just call it for what it is. God. This is not of God at all. Okay, but here's what they say. They say, this is what you got to do, and you got to keep doing it over and over again. This is how you're going to achieve a breakthrough in your walk with God, how you're going to achieve intimacy, spiritual maturity, whatever. And they said, you just got to do this and, and, and just wait to hear, quote, God's voice. And, quote, a divine message will come through images in your mind, through words, ideas, even physical sensations, or, quote, gut feelings. You will receive, quote, a new revelation. What? Not only does it open to behavior of, like that, Number one, but I don't need a new revelation. This is it. 
You stick with this, you can't be steered. We go through this all the time. And this, again, why I think is so sad. It's just like, since when? You hear me say this all the time. Since when is the Bible not enough? Why do we have to go whoop something up, get some show going on, some hype, some goosebump on top of some other goosebump, and somebody outdo somebody else and this and all that? What, what's wrong with this? You'll never plumb the depths of it. There's so much in here. And yet so much time is being wasted as well as people are being led astray into dangerous New Age Hindu occult practices. But somehow it's spiritual. This type of subjectivity based, uh, bypasses the objective written word of God that's supposed to be our sole rule for faith and practice. Right? And again, it's more in linked with New Age and occult practices than biblical prayer. Again, biblical prayer follows biblical instructions. We are to pray in faith. We have direct access to God. We are talking to God in Jesus' name. We offer that in reverence and humility and in submission to God's will. Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? That's, that's biblical prayer. The Bible never instructs us to empty our minds and listen to special words of revelation from God. God expects us to study what he's already revealed to us, the written word of God, i.e. the Bible. And we're supposed to contend for that, not whoop up something and say it's something new. But they say basically, no, you don't understand because the Bible actually promotes this kind of prayer. And we, we've dealt with this back in our New Age state. But one of the, the biggest verses that are, is abused today is Psalm 4610. You might know it. You might even have a plaque on your wall with it. Be still and know that I'm God. See, right there proves this soaking satanic prayer. That's what, it is. That's what he's talking about. First of all, as we saw, the Hebrew there word, be still, it means literally shut your mouth. The context of that psalm is God is judging the nations. Shut your mouth. God's God. He's going to judge the nations. Just shut your mouth. Now, that's actually a great passage, right? Uh, and frankly, to me, that would instill peace. Because I don't have to worry. God's in control. He's going to judge the nations. He'll take care of it. But it literally means shut your mouth. Not like get into a lotus position and do that stuff. And empty your mind. That's not what it's talking about. They also say, no, John ten twenty seven. My sheep listen to my voice. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with prayer. It doesn't even mention prayer. Neither one of those passages even talk about prayer. And yet you use that to justify this satanic practice. And again, they think that they can get a new revelation from God. Now, now, and not only that, it will help you in the everyday things of your life. Did you know that? Seriously. And this, these are actual examples. And I quote, quote, on a daily basis, if you involve yourself in this, you will have a new revelation from God, even on the most, quote, mundane things like, don't eat sushi today. Quote, I'm not making this up. Follow the man with the red scarf. Wow. Withdraw money from the bank. Yeah, gee, and give it to who? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, it ain't from God. Obviously, the danger in this is, obviously, Scripture is alone authoritative. Right? That's the one. We don't, we don't go to nudges. We don't go to feelings or intuitions. We don't go to random thoughts a person has while literally meditating and getting into a translate state. You cannot put that on the same level as Scripture. And to assume that the voice of a person and the voice you might even hear in your own mind is the actual voice of God is going to lead you to delusion. I say this all the time, and it's so true. Right? I mean, you get... You, are, 
what you put in your mind, it doesn't mean it's from God. It could have been something that influenced you throughout the day, right? I had this crazy dream, man. I, I was on this boat, and I'm sure it was a message from God. And it was only me and a couple of people were surviving, and it flipped over on, on itself. And the boat, I think, must have represented humanity and the church in the last days, and the church got tipped upside down. And But we had to go to the bottom of the boat, which actually now, because it was upside down, was the top of the boat. And, and that's really the journey spiritually that we're... No, it's because you watched the Poseidon adventure the night before you went to bed. That's why you dreamed about that. I had this nightmare. People are chasing me. I went to the hospital. I about to die. It's because you ate chicken. You knew that was coming. You can't discern truth from things that go through your mind or a dream or have this vision. But that's what these people, they're going outside the Bible. And anytime you go outside the Bible for truth, even what you say is a new revelation when there isn't anymore, you're always going to be led astray. Oh, by the way, uh, this book or this practice, one of the things, and this is coming into the church. They may not, bring, they may not be at that stage rolling around, screaming, doing all that kind of stuff yet. But you will have churches promoting this book. Uh, this book is by Sarah Young. It's called Jesus Calling, right? Uh, it's a very popular book, unfortunately. It's been out since about 2004. And readers have been encouraged to, quote, live in God's presence and listen for his voice, right? That's the basis of this, that, quote, Jesus is calling to you. The devotionals are based on messages that she claims she received from Jesus and are passed along to the reader as if God were literally talking. Then what would make that book? That would make that book a new New Testament. That's, but that's her claim, which is, would, would be ridiculous. Okay, Now, you're thinking, well, why would they take that as literally the words of God? Because she tells the readers that these are the words from God, literally. Okay? And uh, also, she exposed, where did she get this idea that she was getting this, these messages from God and she had to write them down? And, and, and that's the basis of this book. And I quote, her inspiration that she admitted early on for Jesus Calling came from a little book, a booklet called God Calling. And God Calling was written by two anonymous, quote unquote, anonymous listeners the authors of God Calling, though, use, quote, occult practices and automatic writing to receive their messages. Remember we talked about that, the New Age? You just get into a trance-like state, and, and then somehow that's from the spirit world, giving you a new revelation for mankind to know. That's what these ladies did. That was her inspiration for this. They called it God Calling, but see, that's generic. She needed to be more specific. She just simply calls hers Jesus Calling. It's occult New Age practices. But again, they don't say it's just, you know, things that she thought about God. She thinks this is actually God speaking to her. And when you read it, you're reading words from God for you. It's crazy. And it's going like wildfire in the church. But even though these people were involved in the cult, she says, no, these women practice waiting quietly in God's presence, pencil and paper in hand, recording the messages they receive from God. And quote, this little paperback, the occult God calling, quote, became a treasure to me. Well, guess what? That came out. And so guess what she did? Quote, the references to the controversial book, God Calling, have been removed in the recent editions of Jesus Calling. Liar. But that's her inspiration. Claiming to speak for God, first of all, would be claiming the mantle of a prophet, which there are none, again, we saw before today. And again, God isn't given us new words. He's given us his word, Old and New Testament, 
That's all we need. Now, let me give you another one. They also say, oh, it's not just prayer, folks. You've got to understand what's going on here. You've got to come to us to learn these techniques, especially if you want to change the world. You don't need to just pray. You need to learn from us prophetic prayer. Well, that's got to be from God, right? It sounds good, John, doesn't it? Prophetic. Huh? Don't you want to be prophetic? I'm prophetic. You're prophetic. Wouldn't you want to be? That's those commercials. They get stuck in your head. I told you. I think the Band-Aid thing. Uh, prophetic prayer. Now, this is, let me describe this other lie. It's basically the same kind of premise with soaking prayer, prophetic prayer. They also call it prophetic intercession. Uh, it's an unbiblical practice that seeks to ascribe prayer power, okay, uh, to, quote, literally uh, demand things to take place in this world. They're being prophetic. Yeah, watch this. The practitioners of so-called prophetic prayer believe they are praying the very words of God into the world. They are self-styled so-called prophets who believe they can deliver messages straight from the throne room of God, thus acting as conduits for God's word, making their prayers thus prophetic. But the Bible says, once again, the canon of Scripture is closed. This means that God has not given us new revelation, which means there are no prophets again today, right? We've saw that repeatedly before, okay? And they say this prophetic prayer... Uh, is, listen, a means of, listen to this, bringing God's judgment on the earth and ushering in God's kingdom. What? So he's waited 2,000 years for the charismatic movement in our day to come up with a spiritual technique that we didn't know and call prophetic prayer in order for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Wow. Now that's pretty arrogant let alone unbiblical. But that's really what they, they believe, okay? Uh, listen, the Bible says, Jesus said, number one, Matthew 6, we were there. He says, we are to submit to God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? But it does not teach that we possess special powers to actualize God's will. And by the way, God's plan will come to pass in his exact timetable that he hasn't shared with us. And he is not dependent upon man. Listen, demanding his judgment to fall and his kingdom to come is arrogant and blasphemous. Especially when the Bible says, Isaiah 46, 11, God speaking, the Lord is the one who will bring to pass all his will. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. God doesn't need you and your so-called spiritual technique. Who do you think you are? God? which we saw before in the charismatic camp, they believe they're little gods as well. Prophetic prayer assumes the existence of modern-day prophets, men and women who are supposed to be God's spokesmen in the world, uttering divine revelation with all the authority of God himself. And quote, when someone engages in this so-called prophetic prayer, listen to this, he is not asking for God's will to be done. He, the individual, the person, is commanding God's will to be done, and he believes that he, the person doing this, must be obeyed. Man, I'll... Maybe I'll hold out a marshmallow on a stick or something, you know, to get some benefit of the lightning bolt getting you. I don't know, but man, whoo! That is wild. This is not biblical at all, obviously. That's the height of arrogance and blasphemy. Let me give you one more. This one is... Prayer, kind of, but this one's called, they, they use the word the prophetic again, so again, it's got to be, it's got to be biblical, right? But it's called prophetic worship. Well, that's, that's got to be way better than ours, because it's prophetic. It must be like an upgrade or something, right? 
We've got to learn this technique. We're going to get that. Prophetic worship, if you're not familiar with this, and some of this behavior is coming into the non-charismatic church, folks, be careful. Prophetic worship is an activity within the charismatic movement that combines, quote, spontaneous music, dance, or art, or other things. Sometimes you'll see them flag waving, right? Right? Uh, is, Is anything wrong with music? I don't dance, I don't know about that. I think I'd rather have the word of God. Wave a flag, maybe do that later when you help with the parking lot to get the people parked in the right spot. Maybe that'd be a better function with all due respect. Uh, but but music, uh, you know, but but art? Have you noticed that in a lot of some of the so-called non-charismatic churches that got some you ain't got a sermon today. You got somebody up there going, look at that. Hey, it was a great service. I saw a guy painting a painting. Have you seen this? Man, you guys got to get out of the box. It's all over the place out there. Well, well, not this. I'll see. I'll see. Don't be making fun of my prophetic picture there. But, <laughs> but seriously, uh, it's not just that they're doing this. Forget this sermon. But they, they call this prophetic worship. So while music is going, it's, it's just all spontaneous, man. Just somebody got up there and they started dancing. And somehow that's from God. And not just somebody got up there and they started dancing. Uh, they just started, no lyrics, they're just making it up. Now, I'll, I'll give them this. They're very good at improv. But just because you can do improv doesn't mean that's from God. But the problem, what they say is, this is not just they're doing it. They're saying this is literally from God because they're doing it spontaneous. No rehearsal. And, and it's on par with the scripture of God. So if somebody's up there with music and they're just making it up as they go, and then that's literally as good as the scripture. Crazy. Now, I'm kidding you not. They also have this prophetic worship. They call it prophetic art. See, you thought I was making fun of this guy here. By the way, his name is Art. Okay, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you got to work with it, all right? It's prophetic, right? So... And if you're really spiritual, you take the A, the R, T, and each one of those stand for something. You could, I don't know what it is yet, but you need to pray for a while and figure it out. Maybe send some money and get a revelation. It's, it's crazy. I'm, not, I'm going to give you an example. This is what's an example of what's the rage. I mean, who needs a Bible study? That's <laughs> so passe. We don't need doctrine. We need prophetic art. That's what's going to build us up in the body of Christ. Here's an example of somebody spontaneously while music's being played in a church service. And they believe this is from God. This is an art from God giving us a message on part of the scripture. Watch this. Here it is. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out Did you get that word from God? I mean, wasn't that more edifying than the book of Romans or something like that? They really believe that that right there, that that is prophetic art 
that that's as good as God's word. That was a message for you, spontaneously from the Spirit of God today. It's crazy. Rob, get some tunes going for me. I want to put this thing to the test. You guys ready? Let's be spontaneous. Okay. Because that's what, I don't have that hat. Let's just get it going, right? What do you think? That good? That's good. I like that. I like that. Keep it going. Keep it going. Let's see. Whatever comes to my mind. Okay, what do you got? Something like this. I, I'm feeling the spirit. Got this thing going here. Look at that. Oh, look at that. There it is. Cut the music, Rob. Cut the music. Right there. Yes, it is a chicken with fangs, sister in the Lord. But what is the message God is sending us? Yes, chicken is wrong. Give it up for Ruth. I'll give you some gum. No, I'll give you some gum right now. <clears throat> Look at that. Chicken is evil. All right, let's close in prayer. That was our church service for today. Can you believe that? I'm not making this up, folks. I thought at first when I saw this kind of art stuff coming into the church and people there and they're drawing it. Oh, look, it's Jesus' head. That's so cool. And I'm not against painting a picture of what you think Jesus looks like. But these people literally think this is from God. And it's a message from God. Quote, prophetic art. And this, here's one of their websites. All that, just that guy spontaneous, whoo, right, is, is it, it has, quote, different meanings, right? It's, it, it could be a love letter from God. It's an act of worship. It provides healing. You feel better now? It's a call to action. Yeah, to get out of that church. Okay? An act of warfare. Right? Oh, yeah, I'll get you, devil. I'm going to paint a pincher. <laughs> what? It's, consider- it's, a personal- it's revealing the spirit world. And it's a prophetic declaration. That's right. It's a new word from God. Wow. Prophetic worship services often include other charismatic elements, such as the gibberish, tongue-speaking thing they do. Uh, and claims, again, of healing. But prophetic worship goes beyond simple praising God with its claim that God is still giving new revelation to his people today. In prophetic worship, okay, whatever lyrics being sung at the moment, listen, are all equated with the Holy Scripture. And therein lies the danger. They literally put this on par with the Bible, including that artwork that you... That's... The big danger. To place anything on par of the scripture is to diminish God's word and open the door to deception. For anyone to claim the role of a prophet or apostle on par with Elijah or Paul or whoever is to invite, listen, God's resistance to the proud and bring confusion to the church. Prophetic worship may, listen, may, may offer opportunities for musical and even art creativity. In other words, you're pretty talented. I'll give it to you. You whooped up that song just like that. You should go on that show. What's that? Whose line is it anyway? Those guys are given a piece of music and a line. They got to make it up. And you know, so how'd they do that? Well, you can do that with song. I mean, that, 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 that's amazing. Uh, that's, a, that's a talent of some sort. You can get up there with no, as an artist, I don't discount you. What that guy did, it was kind of a cool picture. And you did it spontaneously with music. I, But to say that that's actually from God on par with the scripture and it's of just a valuable of a message from God in song, music, art, dance, waving. When did this not become good enough? Man, how many times? And again, I'm not here. I mean, I'm using humor and sarcasm to make a point. But my heart really breaks for these people. I'm not saying every one of these people aren't saved. I don't know. But my heart as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a teacher, as a Christian, 
As a disciple of Christ, you'll never become a disciple of Christ if that's what you're going to, thinking you're becoming mature. You only become mature when you become a disciplined learner, which is what the word disciple means, of this book right here, and that's it. And the whole time you're doing all that, guess what you're not doing? You're not in the book. So you'll never become a disciple, number one, but guess what? You'll also always be kept in the dark, and these people can pull the wool over your eyes with any wind of teaching blowing here and there. And Paul warned about that, especially in the last days. Prophetic worship may offer opportunities for musical creativity, but it is not inspired in the sense that the Bible is, and it does not provide any new revelation from God. Now, because of this, all this, I believe that the charismatic movement is actually doing one thing prophetically. It's just in a negative sense. They are actually fulfilling Bible prophecy in a negative way. And I quote 2 Timothy 4, 4, as we get ready to close, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Paul talking to young Pastor Timothy, here's what you are to do. Preach the word, the Bible. Be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? For the time will come when men will not put up with, here's the word, sound doctrine. Right? Sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, because you've got to keep the show going in the church, right? You've got to do something. You've got to make it look spiritual. If you're going to turn away from the Bible, you don't want to study doctrine, which is not a bad word. But what do you constantly hear in the phraseology of the charismatic church? We don't need no doctrine. Yes, you do. In fact, the Bible warns about people in the last days who would turn from sound doctrine. And you only get sound doctrine from the Bible. You're turning from it. But instead, to suit their own desires, because it's about you and that goosebump, that experience, making yourself feel good. I mean, who wants to hear a sermon on Romans chapter 8? Who wants to hear about sin or backsliding or hell or wrath or Bible prophecy or any of that stuff? I want to go to church services and watch a guy do art. I want to see art. (laughs) Come on. To suit your own desires, they're going to gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. It's the Greek word muthos, and it means stories made up. You're making this stuff up. You've turned away from sound doctrine in the Bible. You're going to what you want to feel good, and you're making it up as you go. The charismatic community, I believe, is one of the biggest encouragers of violating this passage. So you're prophetic, all right. You're fulfilling prophecy in a negative way. And that's what's unfortunate. It's bad theology, listen, that's gone on so long now. And this is why I couldn't wait to get to the study finally. Because while we sit here and we go, man, I can't believe that's what they're doing. Did you know that these guys have become the new face of Christianity? Not just here in America, but around the world. When people think of Christians and Christianity today, so-called Protestant Christians, dare I say, they think of the charismatic community because they're the ones who are doing all the TV programs and a lot of the radio ministries and the media, etc. Here's how it started. Let's take a look. The charismatic movement is largely the reason the church is in the mess that is in today. In in virtually every area where church life is unbiblical, you can attribute it to the charismatic movement. In virtually every area. Bad theology, superficial worship, 
ego, prosperity gospel, personality elevation, all of that comes out of the charismatic movement. Now, I knew at the beginning that this was a disastrous embracing by the evangelical church. And uh, it happened, by the way, in Van Nuys, California. Right. It happened at an Episcopalian church in Van Nuys, California, pastored by a man named Dennis Bennett, who got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it that leaped out of the contained Pentecostal tradition. The Pentecostal church, with its claim of miracles and healing and signs and wonders, was contained. It, it never spread to the, to, the, to the mainline church. It was always seen as aberrant. It's theology aberrant. But when an Episcopalian got the experience, it jumped out of its containment. Then it started being, the phenomena started being embraced by um, Baptists and dead church Methodists and Presbyterians and Roman Catholics, and it, it invaded the church. And then what happened was it demanded to have acceptance. It demanded to have acceptance. It demanded to be embraced. It demanded to be included. And you had very strong leaders coming out and demanding that the evangelical church embrace them. And I knew at the time the deadly character of this, because once you give a place to bad theology, then theology is no longer an issue. Once you corrupt worship, then worship is, is going to fall to the lowest tolerable level. It wasn't too many years after that, the climate dramatically changed, and charismatic movement has gained the ascendancy and become the public face of Christianity. It's the face of TV Christianity. It's primarily the face of radio Christianity in the Christian bookstore. It is largely the, the prevailing view is some form of charismatic mysticism or whatever. So it has, it has done a takeover and um, it has redefined Christianity in people's mind, and it's, a, it's an aberrant form of Christianity, of course. So, no, my, my view has not changed. Its theology is, is, is bad. It is unbiblical. It is aberrant. It is destructive to people um, because it promises them what it can't deliver, and then God gets blamed when it doesn't come. It, it is a very destructive movement. Yep. And I'll even say this. You wonder why it seems to be getting harder and harder to witness to people? I think part of it, there's two pieces of propaganda going on. That's really pulling the rug out from under you and I, the evangelical, biblical Christian. One is certainly the secular media. And the secular media, you look at what they're painting us as. Dangerous, terrorists, fundamentalists, you know, somebody you want to avoid. The other form of so-called television is what he's talking about. These guys have taken over almost all of Christian media. The bookstores, the TV, much of the radio broadcasts. It's this charismatic route. And they're displaying this behavior for the whole world to see, saying that it's Christian. The lost doesn't know any different. And so between getting the secular propaganda lie that we're dangerous terrorists, they flip on the TV, see this blown, and go, oh, no, you're not one of them. I think it's a two-bang combo as to why we're having such a hard time these days. Both are lies. It's just that one doesn't claim to be Christian. 
These guys do. And I agree, it's very destructive. So again, how do we get into this? How did this happen? How did this invasion take place? Well, thanks for asking, Pastor Tom. It works well with my notes as we close. That's why, believe it or not, we're at the halfway point. It only took us 20 times to get there. But now the second half, the untold history of the charismatic movement is coming up next. Next week. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven? On your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place 
so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.